in this increasingly hectic and stress-filled life, don't we all just need time like that to stop and to catch our breath? We need to rest. And God knew this and he modelled this right at the end of the creation week in Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to read that this morning and we're going to think about this whole idea of the gift of rest. So Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1 to verse 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. If you remember, we've been looking at the account of God's creation of this universe. In the book of Genesis, we began by seeing that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That God spoke this world into existence through the power of his word and to the glory of his name. Then we saw that on day one to day three, God formed what was formless. Creating separations and structure and systems in this world. Reflecting his nature because God is not a God of disorder but of peace. Then on day four to six, we saw that God filled what was empty because that was God's purpose. That he did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. And then last time we looked at the pinnacle of creation. How God made humanity in his image and in his likeness. To resemble him, to relate to him, to reproduce his image, to represent his rule, and ultimately to reflect his glory. And so, we read this morning in chapter 2 and verse 2, on the seventh day, that God rested from all his work. After six days of incredible work, displaying his wisdom and his creativity and his power, God ended his work. He stopped and he rested. Now we need to be clear, that wasn't because God was tired or he was worn out or he needed a break. It wasn't like he slumped back in his chair and thought, glad that's over. That's not the Lord that we follow. The Lord is the everlasting Lord. Creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 40. Our God doesn't get tired. Instead, he is the source of strength for all those who are weak and weary. We get tired. God doesn't. Neither does this mean that God stopped all of his work that he was doing in this world, as if he just set the creation going and then stepped back and just walked away from from the universe. That is not who our God is. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 5 that my Father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. 
Our God is an active God. He's a working God. He's an involved God in this world. The book of Hebrews actually says about the Son of God that He didn't only make this world, but He is also sustaining all things by His powerful Word. If it wasn't for God, this universe would not continue to be. So God is not only the creator of this world, he's also the sustainer of it. He is the one who holds it all together. So what does this mean? doesn't mean that God was tired. doesn't mean that God stepped back and didn't do anything else. Well, rather it means that God rested from the, on the seventh day from creating Because the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. God had accomplished his work of creation. There was light and there was sea and there was sky. And there was dry land filled with plants. And there was sun and moon and stars. And there were sea creatures and birds. And there were land animals and human beings. And when all that was done, God stopped. He stopped creating and he rested because that work was done. And so because of this, God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. I don't know if you remember on day five of creation week, God blessed the sea creatures and the birds. Then on day six, God blessed humanity. So now on day seven, God is blessing That day, the seventh day, he was putting his divine favour in a special way on that day. And he made it holy. He sanctified that day. That just simply means that he set that day apart for his particular use, for his particular purpose. But I guess the question we would have is, What did God set that that day apart for? And then what does that mean for us today? Well, as we read in Genesis chapter 2, this isn't developed. This is not explained here. You'll you'll probably have realised in in these uh, these three verses that we read, there's no commandment for humanity to do anything. God doesn't tell us to do anything in those verses. It's just a, 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 a record, an observation of what God himself did. But these verses are the basis of an important theme that flows down through all of Scripture. And we don't have time to do, look at it in detail this morning, but we're just going to look at some of, the, some of the aspects of that. For the nation of Israel, this is the basis of their Sabbath day. Now that word Sabbath simply means to rest or to cease from work, to stop working. And it's connected, it's very similar to the word used here in Genesis chapter 2 for rest. Okay? But the word Sabbath actually doesn't appear in the Bible until the second book, the book of Exodus. And then it's used. When the nation of Israel travelled through the wilderness after they'd escaped Egypt, you remember the, the amazing exodus of the people of Israel under Moses' leadership. Well, God promised to rain down bread from heaven for them. To provide food that they needed. There was a massive group of people. 
And the only way that they could get the food they needed was that God would provide it, miraculously. And so this manna, as it was called, appeared each morning. And the people went out to collect as much as they needed for them and for their family. And it had to be used on that day. The manna had to be used on that day. They couldn't store it up. They couldn't even keep it for the next day. If they tried to, then it would get full of maggots and it would rot and it would just go off. This manna was to be their daily bread. Go out and collect it each day as a gift from God and eat it on that day. But miraculously, this bread would not go off on the sixth day. On that day, Moses told them to collect double what they needed for them and their family and to store half of it and to use it for the next day. Because there would be no manna on the ground on the seventh day because, Moses said, tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So they collect it on six days, collect double on the sixth day, so they didn't need to collect it on the seventh. And in this way, God was teaching his nation this pattern of working for six days and keeping the seventh as a day of rest, as a day set apart for the Lord. And this pattern was established in the law that God gave to Moses. In the Ten Commandments, you'll you'll probably remember, number four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all of your work, but but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So the key issue of the Sabbath day in the law was that it was a day of rest. Nothing that constituted work was allowed on that day. They weren't even allowed to light a fire in their house on the day. That was classed as work. And this was to be observed by absolutely everybody in the land of Israel. This law goes on to say, On it, on this day, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. Alien, of course, is not little green men, just in case you wondered. It's the foreigners, the non-nationals, okay? So why was that? Why did God set apart that day that nobody, absolutely nobody, was allowed to work? Well, he said it was in part, it was because they needed a break. Because they needed time for relaxation and rest. In chapter 23 of Exodus, this is what God says. Six days do your work. But on the seventh day, do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest. And the slave born in your household and the alien as well may be refreshed. Don't do any work on that day. So that everybody, and it means everybody, can have a day off and be refreshed. So the Sabbath day was a gift to the nation. 
It was a gift to everyone, even their slaves, even their animals. It was a gift so that they would protect them from being overworked or exploited or abused. God gave the Sabbath because everybody in that nation needed at least one day off every week to rest. So Jesus in Mark chapter 2 said this, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not given to be a burden on the people. Rather, the Sabbath was given for people's benefit. To refresh them. To give them a chance to stop. And to breathe. And to recover. But of course, there was much more than that. There was more than just a day off. In the Ten Commandments, the Lord went on to explain... For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Referring back to what we've just read in Genesis chapter 2. So what the Lord was saying was, in the creation week, God was modelling the example for that nation to follow. As and as he worked in creating this world for six days and rested on the seventh, so they were to work for six days and to rest on the seventh. And I think this is really important for us to grasp. So as they obeyed this law, as they put into practice this structure, this, this system of working for six days and then resting on the seventh, they would be declaring their faith. In the fact that God created the world in six days and rested in the seventh. They would be following his example. So they would be recognizing that God is the creator of this world. They would be reminding themselves that this world and everything in it belongs to God because he is the creator. They would be reminding themselves that they belonged to the Lord. That's why this day was also called a day of sacred assembly. It was when the community would put down their everyday jobs so they could come together and they could worship God. It's a day that they could focus on God rather than being distracted by all their everyday jobs and everyday demands. So maybe in the, old, in the New Testament you remember that the Sabbath day was the day that when people would meet together in the temple or in the local synagogues. To listen to God's word and declare their commitment to the Lord. But when they did this, they're also declaring their reliance upon the Lord to provide for what they needed. Remember, these people were not people who would have huge bank accounts of money left over. This would be often people just living on a daily basis. They, were, they had to work or they wouldn't eat. But instead of working that day on the Sabbath day, desperately trying to meet the needs of them and their families, they would put down those, those, those jobs that were desperately needed. And instead they would spend that time focusing on the Lord. Why? Well, because they believed that ultimately the one that was providing for their needs wasn't themselves and their strength and their, their energies and their work. Ultimately, they believed everything that they needed came from God. 
That He is Yahweh Yireh. He is the Lord who will provide. So they were declaring, by taking this day off their work, they were declaring that they were trusting in God to provide for their needs. Rather than than working and trying to get the most out of that day. This reliance of God on, on God was actually underlined by not just the Sabbath day laws, but also the Sabbath year laws. Okay, so there were some laws that talked about the seventh year in each cycle. For example, every seven years, the land would be left uncultivated and unharvested, so that the poor among you may get food from it. And he even goes on to say, and the wild animals will eat what they leave. So every seven years, they weren't allowed to farm their land. Again, trusting in God to provide. Then every seven years, all debts would be cancelled. At the end of, the, of every seven years, you must cancel debts, Deuteronomy 15 says. Then after seven years, all Hebrew slaves would need to be let go, let free. In the seventh year, you must let them free, again in Deuteronomy 15. And then, after seven of those seven-year cycles, so seven times seven is, of course, 49, and on the next day, the next year, sorry, is the 50th year. And that's the year of Jubilee, when every family is given their land back. If they've had to sell it because of debts or because of poverty, they are, they are restored to their original land. Their inheritance is given back to them as a family. It's kind of all everybody gets back to square one. A clean slate. In this year of Jubilee, everyone is to return to his property. So through these regulations of rest and release and restoration, God was challenging his nation to rely on his provision. Rather than being like everybody else around who grab and hold on to everything they can and work and work and work to provide for them and their family and will get everybody else to work as much as they can. So it was an expression of their reliance upon God that ultimately everything they needed came from him. And so the Sabbath day was much more than just a pragmatic day off. It was much more than just a day off to to get together and to worship the Lord. It actually was a symbol of this nation's covenant relationship with God. The fact that they belong to God. So in Exodus chapter 31 it says this. You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. So that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. The weekly Sabbath was a sign that this nation was holy. This nation was set apart from the Lord. So as they kept this law, as each week they followed this practice, they were being reminded that they belonged to the Lord. Because of His love and because of His grace, And that they were living in relationship with him. So for the nation of Israel, this was what the Sabbath was about. This this is what the seventh day was about. It was a wonderful gift from God when that nation could just down tools 
and follow the model set out by their Lord in the creation week and keep the Sabbath day as a day of rest from their work and to declare their reverence for God and their reliance upon God because of their amazing relationship with God. The Sabbath was an amazing gift for the nation of Israel. Now, if you're like me, your mind goes immediately thinking, so what about us? What does that mean for us? Does that mean that we need to do this? Do we need to follow Israel in keeping the seventh day of the week, which obviously is not Sunday, but is Saturday, holy, as a complete day of rest? Is that what the Bible tells us to do? Well, one of the noticeable things in Jesus' ministry, if you start reading through the Gospels, is just how often Jesus chose to do things on the Sabbath that offended the religious leaders. If you read through the Gospels, you're almost saying, Jesus, why are you doing it deliberately not those days? Are you really... Are you doing this deliberately just to to rile them up? For example, Jesus allowed his disciples to pick ears of corn on the Sabbath. They were walking through a field. They were allowed to pick a a handful of grain just for their food. It wasn't wasn't stealing, but it was classed as work by the religious authorities. So the Pharisees complained, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? It would have been okay any other day, but not on that day. Jesus also healed numerous people on the Sabbath day. Even in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Just to make sure that everybody noticed. Even though religious leaders responded to these healings by saying, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days. Not on the Sabbath. Which I have to laugh at, don't you? I have to smile again. Can you imagine... I don't imagine that if they did come on any other day and Jesus wasn't there, that the the religious leaders who were complaining would have been able to heal them anyway. But this is what they were saying. It really deeply offended them what Jesus was doing. So why did Jesus do that? Well, Jesus claimed that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. As the Son of God, Jesus was not bound by the traditions or their interpretations of the Sabbath laws. So as the Son of Man, he could declare what the original meaning and purpose of the Sabbath was. And what the ultimate purpose and meaning of the Sabbath was. Jesus was not under their tradition. As a son of man, he was over it. He was Lord of it. In fact, this is what Jesus said he'd come to do with the whole of the law. He said in Matthew chapter 5, Do not think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus didn't come... And and tell people, just rip up that law. Just rip up what the prophets wrote. That's old, that's out of date, that's, that's rubbish. He didn't do that. All of God's word, the old and the New Testament as we call it, is precious and useful and powerful. 
So none of it should be discarded. And yet Jesus didn't just come to repeat what the law and the prophets said. He came to accomplish what the law and the prophets said. He came to complete it. He came to bring the scriptures to their fulfillment. To their intended meaning. And what was that? What was the point of the law and the prophets? Well, it was to bring us into a new covenant relationship with God through the shedding of his own blood on the cross. So that's what Jesus came for. And so if we put our faith in Jesus, then we are no longer under that old covenant law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. This is what Paul speaks in the book of Galatians. He says, the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. The purpose of the law, the purpose of the Ten Commandments and all of the other 613 laws that the Old Testament contains, all of those things, they were there to lead us to putting our faith in Christ so that we could trust in Him and so that we could be made right with God through our faith in Christ. And so Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter 3, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. We no longer have to put ourselves under the commands and the regulations of the law because if we've come to Christ, then the law has been fulfilled in our lives. Because that was its very purpose. To lead us to faith in Christ. The law has done its job in bringing us into that recognition of our need of of a saviour and our trust in Jesus as the one who died for us. So what does that mean to the Sabbath? Well, it means that when we come to the Sabbath, we need to understand that Jesus came to fulfil what the Sabbath offered in part to the people of Israel. So Paul, again, in the book of Colossians, he says, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Don't let anybody point the finger and say, You're wrong because you're not keeping those laws. He goes on to say, These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So we don't need to follow the Sabbath law because it's a shadow of the ultimate reality. The Sabbath law isn't the real thing. It's pointing forward to the real thing. Something better, something greater, something more wonderful. It's pointing forward to the new covenant relationship that we have through Christ. Now that doesn't mean that we just need to forget everything that we just said about the Sabbath and just ignore it all. Because I think there's still lessons that we can learn from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant laws about the Sabbath. For example, as believers, we can also rely on the Lord's provision. Rather than rush about, working every minute of the day, as like those who don't know the Lord. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? So do not worry. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? 
Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those who have no relationship with God, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We as believers in Jesus should be able to stop and pause and rest. Because we know that everything doesn't depend on our own efforts. Everything isn't on our shoulders so that we need to run ourselves into the ground working hard every single minute of every day. Because we can trust in our Heavenly Father to provide. So we can take those times and rest and get that work-life balance in its proper place. We can also take time, learn to take time out of our lives from the Sabbath that we need to come together and we need to express our faith and our reverence for the Lord. So Hebrews 10 says to us as Christians, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit, but let us encourage one another. So just like in, this, in the Sabbath day laws, they were encouraged to have a sacred assembly of coming together and worshipping God together, we too need to learn that that's an important aspect of our Christian lives. Now, you can search through the New Testament, but there aren't any commands about when we need to do that. There's no regulations of what day of the week, what time of the day we need to do that. All there is is a hint that in the New Testament, that very soon after the start of the early church, that it wasn't long before the church moved away from meeting on the the seventh day of the week, and started to meet together on the first day of the week. Just a hint, not a law, not a command, but just it looks like that's what was happening. And they called the first day of the week the Lord's Day. That's because instead of focusing on God's completion of creation on the last day of the week, we are called to focus on the new creation. That is possible through the resurrection of Jesus and the giving of the Spirit at Pentecost, which both occurred on the first day of the week. So we are resurrection people this morning, meeting together to celebrate what Jesus has done. And that by dying on the cross and rising again on the first day of the week. So that's why we meet together today. When we meet, we do not look back to the creation. Instead, we look back to the cross. And as we read this morning, Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of me. And then finally, I think we need to learn from the Sabbath that rest is really important for us. Just like that nation of Israel... We all need to take time out from the busyness of our lives to rest and be refreshed. We are not designed to work every single moment of every day. Even Jesus recognised this. Jesus had three years of public ministry. Yet even in those three years he recognised the need to rest. Maybe you remember that when he and his disciples were so inundated with all the demands of the people, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. 
Jesus needed, recognized his need and his disciples' need for rest. And so we also need to learn to do that regularly in our lives. But there is a much greater rest than we need than just a day off. Because the, the book of Hebrews says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The book of Hebrews is talking about something deeper, something greater than the Sabbath rest of the, of the law or the Sabbath rest that they received when they went, get, got eventually into the promised land. So we need something greater than that. And there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God, not just a day of re- rest and relaxation, but the ultimate rest in God. This is the rest that Jesus offered in Matthew 11. When he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, he wasn't offering a day off. They already had that. He wasn't offering a holiday. He wasn't one of those travel firms offering a week away in Spain or something like that. This is a deeper rest. This is a greater rest. This is a rest that really means, that really meets our need. So what is that rest? Well, it's a rest from the burden of the law. Of all these hundreds of rules and regulations that you need to keep in order to be right with God. It's a rest from the efforts just to try and be good enough for God. It's rest from the pressure to perform before God or before other people. It's rest from guilt. From all of the mess and the junk that's in our life. It's rest from fear of being rejected, of being pushed away. It's rest from condemnation. That's the rest that Jesus came to give us. That rest comes not because God has finished the work of creation like the Sabbath day, the seventh day. But that's because God has finished the work of salvation. The greater work of God. And that is the rest that was declared by Jesus on the cross in this amazing declaration in John 19. It is finished. It is finished. Our sin debt is paid in full. Our ransom price has been fully met. The punishment that we deserved has been taken in full by Jesus. And nothing more is required. So Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. And so through simple faith in Christ, We are totally forgiven. 
We're declared righteous in God's sight. We are set free from sin and death. We're released from the curse of the law. We're adopted as a child of God. We are secure in his love. And we are guaranteed eternal rest in God's presence forever and ever and ever. And we can just breathe. And we can just rest in what Jesus has done. That's what the Sabbath day pointed towards. That's what Jesus came to bring us. That's what we need most of all. So, Genesis chapter 2. God created the world in six days and rested in the seventh. Yes, it points to the fact that we need to rest. We need to take time out of our, our, our busy lives to take, have a rest to recuperate, to rely upon God, to express a reverence for God, to enjoy a relationship with God. But greater than that, we can rest every moment of every day in the finished work of Jesus on the cross so that we can declare in the words of Psalm 62, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. And I will never be shaken. Let's pray.